Welcome back to Furloughs and Highs, episode five, which is titled, Is Furlough Bigger in Texas? I've spoken with Ben, who has been put on furlough in the UK, but now we'll get to hear from a true Texan, Nicole, who has been placed on partial furlough in the US. Within the last week in the UK, the government has come out with an update on the furlough scheme where Chancellor Rishi Sunak confirmed that they will continue to fully fund businesses until the end of July, where employees will receive 80% of their monthly wages up to £2,500, but will ask companies to start sharing the cost of the scheme from August until October. Very interesting times for the UK. However, in this episode, Nicole and I will be discussing how the oil industry has been impacted since the outbreak and that many businesses have had to put their staff on furlough as global travel has come to a standstill. We'll also be talking about how people in the South have been responding to COVID-19 in general and how Nicole has been creative with her furlough time in order to make some more income. Okay. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Nicole. Really appreciate you coming on today to my first podcast series, Furloughs and Highs. Um, and this one in particular is called, Is Furlough Bigger in Texas? Um, but yeah, thanks, Nicole, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So look, as part of this podcast, I've interviewed people that run businesses that are being um, really innovative during COVID-19 in order to stay running. I've spoken with a psychologist and a writer. However, I do think it's very important to interview people who are like me and on furlough so that others can relate even more as to what's happening at the minute. I've been lucky enough to get to chat with someone who's based in the U.S., Um, where being on furlough is very different to the UK, um, as not everyone qualifies for government funding, um, where you still get partially paid. Um, I believe in March, US Congress passed a $2.2 relief package, which allows some furloughed workers to collect unemployment checks, but not all. Um, As well as what was interesting, I saw the likes of Best Buy announce that they will furlough more than 50,000 employees, but it will continue to pay for their healthcare costs over the next three months. And the likes of Disney, due to the theme parks having been closed, um, also had to furlough more than 40,000 workers. Um, But at least they are also guaranteed to keep their health insurance for a year. So there are some great things that businesses are trying to do for those that are on furlough um, at the minute. So today I'm interviewing Nicole, who is currently based in Houston, Texas, to be with her family, but actually works out in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, Nicole is one of the lucky few where she is on partial furlough, um, but the week she's not getting paid, she has come up with some pretty cool ideas to continue uh, to make some income. Um, Hi, Nicole. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on this podcast uh, and sharing your story. Um, But before we get into your creative ideas, Uh, that have kept you uh, going during COVID-19. Tell me how you first felt when you were told you were going to be put on furlough. Yeah, so thanks again for having me. Um, When I first heard I was going to be put on furlough, I can't say I was extremely surprised. I was told on the very last day of March, and at this point there had already been companies in my same industry that started furlough programs, and we were about two weeks into the working from home situation to help stop the spread of the virus. But it was one of those feelings, the lingering feelings in the back of my mind where 
I saw so many companies around me doing layoffs and furloughs Mm -hmm. and you would only hope that your company won't start the same thing. But when it happens and you're told you've already mentally prepared for it. Yeah. Oh, that's really good to hear. Yeah. I was um, similar to myself. I was like, I had to, I think I was mentally prepared as well, just because the likes of my business, um, was like local experiences and restaurants, leisure things to do. So that I think that really helped me being able to be like, look, think of the worst case scenario, just so it wasn't going to be like as tough when you heard the news, like straight up. Um, so I think, yeah, it's good that you did mentally prepare for that. Had you heard of the term furlough before? Because it might be more of an American term, but for me, being based um, in the UK now, and I had only worked in Ireland beforehand and obviously never gone through anything like this. Um, it was a term that wasn't used. So I, you know, it was something that I had to even Google. Had you heard of the term furlough before? Yeah, similar to, to you pre-coronavirus, I was not familiar with the term one bit. So once I started learning that companies were taking this step, I was explained the definition of the term by someone I know in HR as you said, you had mentally prepared yourself for possibly being on um, furlough, Um, but have you and are you mentally mentally preparing yourself for possibly the worst case scenario where maybe there might not be a job in the next few months? Um, Have you gone through those thoughts or or do you feel that, you know, your company is pretty secure? Yeah, exactly. As you said, Aideen, the best advice I've been given is to prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Mm-hmm. So in all reality, I'll keep where I'm going as long as it makes sense for me financially, but also make sure I could be ready to dust myself off and keep moving in the worst case scenario. And I was always raised with the mentality of making sure I was prepared for an emergency. So I think that really helped me alleviate a lot of stress that could come in this type of situation. Well, that's really brilliant. And like, that's a skill and, uh, you know, a way of thinking that not many people have. So, you know, it, it is good to have that. And um, yeah, it, it definitely makes things a lot easier um, whenever you do hear those, the, the worst case scenario news. Um, look, at, it must be a really tough time for people working in the oil business as well. Because um, I know being based in the, the South, um, I lived in Texas myself for many years. Um, my dad uh, is actually still based out in Houston, Texas, and he just happened to retire from ExxonMobil back in February. Um, but with all the craziness happening at the minute, um, do you know anyone that has been impacted completely by being put on furlough, like full-time, or have they? do you know anyone that's been even let go? Yes, I initially heard about furlough and learned about it because of somebody I know. I don't personally know of someone that got laid off because of the coronavirus, but I think what's probably been the most interesting part to me is seeing how much of an impact the industry that we're working in shines its light during this time. As an example, I have good friends working in the healthcare industry as nurses who can't catch a break right now. Mm -hmm. And a friend working in the food manufacturing industry, who's also working crazy hours to help provide food to keep the grocery store shelves full and just seeing how much of an impact this makes on each industry, there's almost two extremes of either very high in demand or extremely low, unfortunately. Yeah, no, and like, and obviously we're we're experiencing the same thing in the UK uh, and Ireland as well, where there's certain businesses that are obviously going to be so impacted by people not moving around and 
um, you know, going out and experiencing, um, you know, traveling. And so that's how you can see the oil business being impacted. But, you know, there are the likes people who work in the food industry. And as you say, people who are working in the hospitals or a lot of online companies that are benefiting. So it is great to know, you know, that there are those good news stories for people that are in those areas. Um, but yeah, it is definitely tough times, um, especially for, uh, the, the oil industry. In fact, I read in the Financial Times, they posted on an article on the 21st of April stating that US oil prices crashed into negative territory for the first time in history um, as the evaporation of demand caused by the coronavirus pandemic left the world awash with oil and not enough storage capacity, meaning producers are paying buyers to take it off their hands. Um, the West Texas Intermediate, the U.S. benchmark, um, traded as low as negative $40.32 a barrel in a day of chaos on oil markets. Um, the settlement price, I think, on Monday, the 20th of April, was negative $37.63, compared to a positive $18.27 on the Friday before. So it's absolutely crazy, and it's something that definitely... Um, the oil industry has not ever seen. So it must be such a shock uh, to these businesses. What is the atmosphere like in the South um, in terms of COVID-19? Um, are, are people that you're knowing in those businesses getting more and more nervous or what are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, just from conversations with coworkers or people also in the oil industry, I think there's just a lot of uncertainty and stresses mm -hmm. that that. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people that have kids that have families that have to make sure they can put food on the table. So I think it's just, it, it's definitely a scary situation for people. Um, but we're just continuing to work and be mm -hmm. prepared again, um, for the worst if that were to happen. Oh, hundred percent. I think uncertainty, uncertainty is definitely the, the key word here. No one knows when this will end and like no one's been through this before. And it's a common thing that I've been talking about in a lot of my uh, discussions with other people that, yeah, it's trying to kind of keep that positive mentality going because no one has the answer and it, you know, it, it's just taking one day at a time. So what is the atmosphere like in the South in terms of COVID-19? Are people following by the rules and how are your family and friends coping? So from my personal experience and what I've seen, I think people are following the rules and I think we all understand the impact of the consequences if we don't comply. At the start of all this, a little over a month ago now, I personally was on cloud nine being able to stay home in Houston with friends and family. So naturally I wanted to see everyone that I don't normally get to see all the time living three hours away. And when the 10 people limit on gatherings was in place, uh, we would still go see friends for game nights and the next day see family. But after a while we started feeling bad that we could potentially be carriers of the virus and not be showing any symptoms, especially for our parents. Um, so we almost started feeling guilty and ended up telling our friends that unfortunately we needed to stop attending gatherings. And when you think about the potential impacts and the snowball effect of how many people you're coming in contact with, who also came in contact with other people, who also came in contact with others, so on and so forth, it's a lot easier to say no for a temporary amount of time and take the alternative route of saying hi to them through a computer screen. And as for my family, my mom is from Colombia and she's always raised us with the Colombian greeting, which <laughs> is a kiss on the cheek. And I have to say this practice 
has not yet left our family. <laughs> so we are all quarantined in the same house, but I'm not sure that the CDC would approve of that. <laughs> also, aside, um, my mom's been making masks for people since beginning Monday. They're going to be mandatory here in Texas, oh. um, or at least in Harris County. Mm-hmm. And people will get fined for not wearing masks in public. But overall, I would say that the environment here is that grocery stores and other essential businesses are doing the best they can to try and stop the spread or flatten the curve. And grocery stores are allowing a very limited amount of people inside at a time. They're respecting the rules of social distancing. They're sanitizing everything as much as possible. And I think people are very appreciative of it. I've heard a lot of people going out of their way to thank workers during this time. And that's really heartwarming to see. That's brilliant. And do you know what I think as you're, as you were saying that, like as your mom is from Colombia and how, you know, the kissing in the cheek, like that's just like, that's culture. Like you can't stop that. It's so hard to, to, you know, to quit those habits. And I know being in, um, in London, there's a lot of people from other cultures like Italy and France and Spain. And, and that's the same thing as well. So if you'd seen them in work, you know, n- naturally they would want to do that as well. And you hear people from those countries too, finding it very difficult at first to not be doing that. And to have, I, I wonder, do they find it even more, you know, isolating and, and weird during these times when they can't even greet people the way that they have always greeted since they were born. So yeah, I didn't even think of that um, until you mentioned it. Um, it must be so odd for them. And really interesting comment that you made um, about the mandatory masks um, that are that they're imposing on Monday uh, this week in Texas. Is that in Texas only or is that um, in all of the United States? I'm not sure exactly yeah. um, if other places are doing it, but I, mm-hmm. I think in our county specifically. Oh, your county. Okay. And you'll get fined if you don't. Is that what you said as well? Yeah, wow. I think it gave the notice about a week ago. So it gave time people to try and figure out how to make masks or get creative. So when Nicole and I had recorded this episode, she was not wrong. County Judge Lena Hidalgo had placed an order where you would be fined up to $1,000 in Harris County if you were found not wearing a mask in public. However, Governor Greg Abbott had come out with a response saying that local officials cannot impose penalties on residents who violate rules about wearing masks in public, including those in Harris County. So yeah, it it is very interesting. So my family, as I mentioned, my parents and uh, my brothers, they live out in Texas um, at the minute. Um, My dad's job moved us all around the world due to the oil industry, but they're back in in Texas again. And yeah, they're they're saying the same thing that look there, everyone's using a lot of face masks over there. Um, It's not weirdly being uh, that I've seen in the area that I live in East London being used that much uh, face face masks, but I do think people will need um, to start using them more and more. It's more so to protect other people I know, not very much so to protect yourself. But if we're going to start, you know, loosening some of the rules, um, I think it's definitely key that everyone starts wearing these face masks just to prepare prepare and to protect uh, one another. And, and hopefully we can start doing a few more social activities with not as many people, uh, you know, in the restaurants and things like that. But my dad in particular, um, I know he has this UV box that he puts things in and, and it kills like any germs and it, it sounds insane, but he, he's bought it off Amazon. So anytime he goes out and he has his wallet or his keys or anything like that, his mask, he'll throw it into this box. 
Um, so yes, well, look, now I want to really talk about the highs. Um, I think, uh, it'd be really great to know, you know, what are you doing to keep yourself motivated during this time? Are you normally someone that is self-motivated as some people that are listening may, they may find it more difficult to motivate themselves. Yes, I would say that I am generally someone who is self-motivated. Um, I j- enjoy being able to work on projects and find ways to be productive, but the key for me is setting goals and working through them consistently. Mm-hmm. Discipline usually comes to me a lot clearer once I've set my goals. So a few years ago, I completed a mentorship program, and I'm still very close with my mentor to this day. But one of the most impactful takeaways from working with her was to set up what's called an MPG document. Mm. And it's for missions, priorities, and goals. And this outlines and works as a template for me for almost every decision I make now. And it sounds a lot more intimidating than it is, but it's given me a great starting point and path to work on my life priorities. Cool. Is this something people can Google? Because that could be really helpful for other people or definitely send it my way. (laughs) It sounds like something I could be using at the minute. I can definitely send it to you. I don't know if it's out in on the internet, but right. But it's something that she uses. A good template for me. Wow. Okay. Very cool. And, um, so do you use this or do you do anything else, um, to how to help you structure your week when you're not working? Um, do you do specific hours? Cause I know for me, I know what I do is I wake up in the morning, I force myself to like do some sort of like free hit class or workout, whether it's yoga or a hit class or going out for a run. Um, and then afterwards, I just need some me time, you know, have a coffee, enjoy my breakfast and chill. And then I'll work, um, you know, and, and do some research, whether it's for my podcast or anything like that. Um, do you do anything similar when you're, when you're uh, not working in those, on those weeks? Yeah, so I'd like to start off with a disclaimer that I've experienced only one furlough week so far. So by no means am I a furlough expert, but I have to admit the very first day, I did not set any schedule for myself. Right. And even though I was busy that day going on walks or runs, it just felt like the day flew by and I didn't get anything done that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So at the end of that first day, I wrote down an outline of what I planned the rest of the week to look like for me. Mm -hmm. Similar to what I would normally do on a week I was working, I wrote down three must-do tasks on my list for each day. And these were tasks that I could not go to bed without doing. Yeah. Similar to your schedule, Aideen, I started off with a morning run, then worked on projects. I had a lot of motivation to complete since they were tied to commitments with people. And then spent time with family once everyone else was finished with their work day. And so having this structure was crucial for me to know that I would be able to put my stamp of approval at the very end of the week and know I was proud of what I worked on. And of course, not every day was exactly as planned, but at least I accomplished the three must-do tasks on my list for each day. And that felt great. Yeah. Oh, I love that. No, I definitely, for myself, I needed to put it down on a to-do list or else I won't accomplish anything. That's just me. I know some people are well able for it, but I have to write down a to-do list. And like you said, even if it's one thing you want to get done this, you know, on that day, you know, I know, I feel like sometimes people feel the pressure, you know, if you're on furlough that, you know, you need to be accomplishing something every single day. Like, you know, that's not realistic either. You know, we, we can only be doing so much and, 
you know, we have to catch, you know, give ourselves a break. But um, if you do at least put down like one or two things, like, okay, I'd like to accomplish those things today and you tick them off, it's almost like rewarding as well. And, you know, that in itself is kind of helps you stay resilient um, and and helps you keep going. So, um, no, that's great. A great tip. Um, So look, take us through finally the really cool idea that you did come up with. You say you've only been on your furlough week uh, time off only once uh, since this has all happened, but you've still managed to come up with a really cool initiative to help bringing in that extra income um, when the weeks you're not working. So yeah, take us through this really creative um, uh, cards that you decided to make and to send to family and friends. Yeah, so I personally enjoy writing handwritten cards to people, and I know how good it feels to receive them, and it is a very old-fashioned, almost lost form of communication, but everyone appreciates a sentimental gesture every once in a while, especially when it's unexpected or not on a special occasion. So my mom is also a very crafty person, and her cards are incredibly elaborate, so I've definitely received inspiration from her. But combining that with my love for binge-watching Shark Tank and (laughs) listening to an entrepreneurial podcast called How I Built This, I've learned that your business is very heavily impacted by your timing. So I had a few thoughts when starting this. The first one was with my furlough program, I would definitely need a way to stay busy during the week I'm off. Mm -hmm. And work normally consumes anywhere from eight to 11 hours of my day, depending on how much I have to do. So finding ways to fill those hours, there's only so many walks you can take in a day. (laughs) And um, the second thought I had was that this has always been something I've wanted to do. And I've sold pieces of artwork to friends in the past, but it's always been through word of mouth or custom pieces that my closest friends and family have asked for. And I've always wanted to scale this a little bit more, but I just felt limited with my time. So the furlough opened up a lot more time for me. And then the last thought was with a large amount of newly found free time for everyone with the impact of working from home, what better time than now for people to send encouragement letters to their loved ones and just take the time to sit down and write a handwritten card. Oh, I love that. And it's just another great idea of like how we're, you know, trying to connect with one another. And as you said, it's like a really cool old school way, like the Zooms and the FaceTimes and the texts, you know, they're all very necessary, but there is something like extra special and like an extra bit of effort when you do get a card from someone or a letter, like that just doesn't happen nowadays. I know one of my good friends, when I was put on furlough, she um, sent me a card as well. And it's very similar idea to yours. It was something like you have one, one of your really cool ideas is you're a hot hot commodity and like picture of toilet roll and um, she sent one very similar to me as well I mean like I'm thinking of you and you're amazing and you know it's things like that where you're like wow like people who go a step beyond above and beyond it kind of it makes you feel even more you know appreciated so I love this idea and I think you know I hope that it continues to be a success and I'll call out a few other some cool things that your your cars that you've created and what you've done because you you draw them as well you make them like from scratch essentially don't you yes yes yeah it's so cool so you've got your hot commodity one with the toilet roll image um of course uh you cannot forget the the tiger king hey all you cool cats and kittens and you drew uh oh carol baskin um I thought I thought it was very very uh brilliant and um one of my favorite ones as well is quarantine sucks without you 
I've bought my first succulent um, because I um, can't have a dog right now. It's literally like my own pet and it's probably the best thing possible because you only need a bit of, like, you only water it like once a month or something. Now I might be killing it, who knows? But yeah, I enjoyed that one. Um, and I miss your face and it's a tiger with a face mask over him. So you're, you're very, uh, you're current and definitely in, in everything that you're making at the minute. And I'd say they will fly fly off the, the shelves, so to speak. And have you got a lot of people um, ordering them or, and how do you sell them? Yes. So I just started through Instagram, um, posted it on Facebook and I've had a lot of friends reach out and it has been a blast making them for other people oh. and it's just word of mouth travel. So it's been very fun. Oh, brilliant. Well, fair play. And have you ever done anything like this before? Or do you think COVID-19 finally forced you to do things that you would never have gotten around to do? Um, yeah. In the past, again, it's just been very word of mouth, um, custom pieces for friends that ask. But I have had so much fun finally taking the time to dive into something I love doing. And I realized that with one new thing I learned, it takes me on a bunny trail of even more opportunities and avenues to go about. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm trying to go into digital forms of artwork and try to make it a little bit more scalable for whenever I don't have the time and I'm fully back to work. Um, But it's been even more fun being surrounded by my quarantine crew. um, (laughs) That is so incredibly supportive and encouraging so anytime I have a new idea they give the best feedback and offer great new ideas that I never would have thought of um, outside of that and then outside of the cards too just having the extra time I've just loved finding joys and little things too anything from cooking a meal for my family or going for a jog around the neighborhood it's been nice for life to have slowed down a little bit and spend quality time with um, the limited amount of people that I can at the moment. Oh, brilliant. And I think that's a, a really good uh, way to be as well. I know for myself, even trying this podcast for the first time, like I'm, I'm asking feedback from like everyone. I'm like, give me any ideas. Who do you think I should be interviewing? Um, and, or even, you know, uh, what kind of topic should I be talking about? So the fact that, you know, you're looking out to friends and family to kind of get any new ideas, I think is is really cool as well. And, um, yeah, I really love this idea. And the fact that you're planning to go try and make it digital as well, like that's a whole nother skill uh, in itself. So, you know, it's brilliant that you're pushing yourself uh, during this time. And as you say, it opens up more opportunities. Um, and I think that's really important for people. Not, I'm not saying everyone needs to be, you know, making a successful, you know, business selling great creative cards or anything like that. But even if it's something as simple as learning something new each day, I think is really important. Um, or, you know, once a week, even just learning something different, I think is really beneficial to kind of make this time go a lot easier. Um, but how do you think you will, um, with this time during the COVID-19, do you think this will change your work week in the future? Um, do you think you'll work from home more? Um, cause I know for myself, like I was, I would have always said I was not productive working from home, you know, when, before all this had happened, cause I would just get too distracted with everything around like, Oh, I could put on a wash. I could do X, Y, and Z. Um, I did way better and I was way more productive when I was in the office. But when I was working from home, um, during all of this, before I was put on furlough, I, I, I realized I did really adapt quite quickly. And it was interesting. I was like, wow, I can, I can force myself to be productive working from home. And I actually really started to enjoy it. 
Um, so I think when I go back to normal, I will be doing that more often, maybe doing it once or twice a week. I'm definitely someone who needs to be around people, but I did find it quite beneficial um, and enjoying my own space and just getting, you know, a lot done at home. But what's your take on it? Not everyone can do that with their job. So I know it's different for everyone. Yeah. So I'll start off. That's great for you for being able to adapt, to adapt quickly. I think it took me a while to get in the swing of things. Um, but personally, I've noticed that I work much more efficiently when I'm in the office and I'm very similar to you. I, I realized I need to be around people, mm-hmm. um, but more so I found I have a more structured routine because it's a lot easier to disconnect once I'm finished with the day when right. I'm working in the office. And I like the option to be able to work from home. It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible for me, but I think I really enjoy being able to drive to work put in focus time away from house chores and then um, drive back home and then start my at-home routine when I get home. So this is fine right now, but I think personally, I like working better in the office. Cool. And 100%. I think it it is important to have that space, like having your, you know, your work environment and then like your home environment for people to completely wind down. They say it's even important to, if you are working from home at the minute, Um, or even if you are on furlough and you're trying a new project or you're doing something different, um, to like have that space in your apartment, if possible, or in your house to make that your work zone. Like don't, um, we were, I was talking to uh, a psychologist and he's saying, you know, don't work on the same armchair that you relax on. Like it's not, you know, it's hard for your mind to switch off. Um, so yeah, that makes complete sense. And I can totally relate to, to what you said there as well. And I think a lot of other people could too. Um, Well, Nicole, we're coming towards the end of the episode and how I like to end them is to ask uh, each of the guests three tips that they would give fellow furloughs or even people who are unemployed or those who are feeling quite lonely at this time um, in order to keep their heads up high and to stay positive. What would your three tips be? So my first tip would be to continue to show hospitality from afar um, don't forget to call your friends and family or even write them a card mm-hmm. and encourage them through this time. We can still show our appreciation and love to people at a distance. And now more than ever is a wonderful time to do so. My second tip would be to outline a schedule for yourself or a task list, whatever works best for you to motivate you to continue keeping your mind and body active. Um, continue to work to be the healthiest and strongest version of yourself because it all works hand in hand. The more you're exercising your mind and body, the better you're going to feel and the better you're going to sleep. And ultimately, the better you're going to handle what could be a very stressful time. And then the last one, as mentioned earlier, what stuck with me from the start is to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. You're not alone in what you're going through and the entire world nation is experiencing a change right now. So continue to keep your spirit high and know that this was by no means your fault or your wrongdoing, Mm. but this is the situation that's in front of us and we can control how we see it. This is a learning experience for everyone. So hopefully by the time we come out of it, you'll be an improved version of who you are today and you're ready to hit the ground running. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. And that was another thing that someone said as well previously is like this is like a common enemy that we're all dealing with and like that kind of brings us together in in itself and you know we will get through it and those are great three tips I absolutely love them 
And look, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was really good and interesting to hear kind of like a US um, standpoint, you know, versus people in the UK here or in Ireland or whoever it may be. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much. It was, it was a blast. It was a lot of good reflection too.